gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome back to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I wanted to talk about what your expectations should be when you take your dog out on its first few hunts. I know it's a topic we've talked about in the past, but I wanted to really go hard into this after talking to a couple of clients that had their dogs that just took home after having them trained here, as well as my own experience with my dog Tank, who did his first few hunts this year. The first few hunts honestly has nothing to do with the dog's age, has everything to do with their experience. Dogs during training will never see the chaos that a dog will see during a hunt. Training is far more controlled and we, as much as possible, try to have a prediction on how things will turn out during a series of training so that we can teach specific things. We do take dogs out and we do flush drills with them that are not as controlled, but When you're teaching marking, when you're teaching control, you're doing all this with a specific thing in mind. And that is that you're trying to teach a dog a certain topic that day and hunts never go that way. It's almost the same as when people decide to train their own dog and they have a book, DVD series, or following a website and things happen that are not in that training regiment. Nothing ever comes out perfect, I guess, is, is the best way to look at it. So with that, I thought I would talk about two different dogs uh, that I sent home this year and the issues they had. One went on an upland hunt. Uh, this dog is a great young pup. He's got a ton of talent. He flew through training, just did great. His owner is very happy with him. And on his upland hunt, he had a bird that was shot. Uh, It sounds like it was hit in the head, so it was flopping, still had the nerves going. And the dog went up and started to bark and paw at the bird because the dog had never seen a pheasant act in this way. I think when I had the dog out, we shot a few times, we shot ducks over the dog. And if I remember right, there were times that the birds maybe were moving somewhat. But this sounds like the bird was flapping its wings and the dog went up and was startled, slash wanted to play with the bird, slash didn't know what to do with the bird. So at that point, I told the owner, if that happens again, to take the bird, make sure it's not moving anymore, and then just throw the bird and have fun with it, with the dog. Don't worry about rigid obedience where the dog has to stay still, where you're releasing the dog at its name. Just make it a fun thing where you're throwing the bird for the dog. And if it happens again after that, have it where the bird is maybe is still flopping around and throw the bird for the dog. Again, don't get caught up in, I have to work on the perfect hold. Don't get caught up in, I have to release the dog on his name and he has to sit at heel. Get caught up in making it a fun thing so the dog realizes this is part of hunting. Once they're out hunting, you have to back off on your control a little bit 
so that the dog gets to have fun. And then you're going to reimpose your control later when the dog starts to get out of range and out of control so that the dog is not always in this so rigid atmosphere. It is basically to do upland, you're, you're trying to get the dog to do everything against what you, you were training for, which is release them and let them go. Uh, the gentleman also said that the bird or the dog had one, one bird they missed and the dog took off after it. And that, uh, took him a while to get the dog back. Realize when you're out hunting, you're no longer a hunter, you're a handler. So always have your finger close to uh, that collar so that if the dog does not come back, you can uh, put the dog on continuous uh, stimulation on the collar and hold that button down until the dog actually turns and comes back. With that said too, when you're taking your dog out in the field, always turn your collar up a level or two compared to what you use in training. Hunting is very exciting. There is so much going on from people talking, people laughing, uh, calling the dog, calling the dog back and forth, birds going up, multiple guns shooting. Again, you can't teach this during training, at least not to the level that it happens during hunting. So next time he takes the dog out, he will absolutely have the dog where he is throwing the bird and making it fun for the dog if they have any issues. If you are having problems with hold because the dog is just so excited, you can always stop the hunt. You can always take the dog aside, work with them on hold. And if I have any issues during the hunt, I'm going to save a couple of those birds. And I'm going to work on whatever issues I had, again, after the hunt and continue my training. Training is never done. You're always going to run into things that you have to go back and revisit and work with. And that's why if you do get your dog trained with someone, make it someone that will still answer the phone even after your dog goes home and will give you some tips on how to work with their dog. But it it is important to realize that there are always going to be things you need to reinforce because we can't cover everything during training. So the second thing that we dealt with was a dog that was on a waterfowl hunt and for some reason the dog went out and decided it wasn't going to pick the bird up it was being stubborn so the gentleman did correctly uh, the owner corrected the dog uh, telling her to fetch he I believe used the collar uh, to nick her and tell her to fetch at the same time a lot of this is going to be on how you had the dog force fetched or trained. Um, I, I know I told, uh, I think I've told everyone on here, but I know during our Facebook lives, I've told people I switched actually how I trained dogs for doing your force fetch or train retrieve. And I actually did a blend of an ear pinch for the first week and then transitioned to an electric collar in the second week so that it's easier for clients to tell the dog to fetch and just push a button as opposed to have to uh, pinch the dog's ear and tell the dog to fetch and put the bird in his mouth or have the dog pick the bird up. So a lot of how you're going to react is going to be according to what you are uh, or how you did your, your trained retrieve. And if you're having issues where dogs are blinking birds, which means they're going out and going, nah, I'm not going to pick it up. You may have to fix it if you can in the water, but always work with the dogs uh, when you're doing your training on land and then transition back to water. We always fix things on land as opposed to fixing things in the water. Uh, he took the dog in between hunts, worked with her on her force fetch and uh, her holding, 
the next hunt, I believe the dog did it again on the first bird. He walked out, he reimposed his, his training to the dog. The dog picked up the bird and then went on the rest of the hunt and did great. Again, you're going to have with a dog that is new to hunting days when you think, my gosh, this dog is the greatest dog in the world. And you're going to have other times when you think this dog wasn't even trained. I don't know what is going on. Be confident in how you apply your pressure because you know how, because you either did it yourself or you had someone show you uh, that trained your dog and be consistent. And the last thing is be fair, be fair with the dog. So now we're going to talk about my own dog, Saki Acres Sherman's March. He is right now heading down to run the Grand. He is a great dog, talented dog, two years old, trained to the hilt, runs great blinds. And I had a tail of two days this last weekend. We had our opening weekend of waterfall or duck in, uh, in Wisconsin. First day, he was running out of a dog blind where he was in a blind next to the human blind. And he did great. He was marking birds. He was going out and picking them up. If I had any issues, uh, I could handle them to him. But I think out of eight birds, I only handled him to one. And that was on multiple birds down. And the one bird fell to the side of us uh, out of the decoy spread. So the dog did not see the dog, the bird fall in front. Dog did great. I was so proud of the dog. Happy. He did, he did wonderful. Picked my birds up for me. Did great marking. The second day, we hunted out of a blind where the dog is actually in the blind with the people. The entire day, I had to do blind retrieves with the dog. He, for some reason, was not marking the birds. And after I thought about it, I think that he was so excited about the hunt and he was having fun. He was walking around the blind trying to get attention, uh, constantly having to put him back over in the area. Like, no, you're, you're, you're over here. This is where you need to be because we're hunting. But looking back on it, what happened? What happened is that he was watching the people when the birds came in. As the birds were coming in, we were saying, okay, get ready, get ready. And we dropped the doors to shoot. I believe, and I, again, I couldn't see him because I'm shooting, but I believe that he was looking at us and not seeing the birds fall. At that point, we had a large decoy spread out because of where we were hunting. I had a certain, I guess, strategy in how I put the decoys out. It was a large area where the birds were finishing throughout the whole area when the birds were on the far shore of the open water. They were out of range, so I had, I had uh, witnessed a lot of geese that were in this area as well. So I stacked the backside with like 20 goose decoys to push the ducks off of the shore and bring them over toward us. And there were so many decoys, he had not seen anything like this. So we had multiple things happening. The birds were down, there were lots of decoys, and the dog was watching us in the blind. Next time when I hunt that blind, in specifics, I am actually going to take a dog blind and put him outside of the blind so that he is, again, watching the birds fall. Uh, I may take a field blind and put it in the blind at a point uh, on a hunt and have him where he is in that blind but cannot come out of it and where he is only uh, seeing what is out in front of him because he can't see us. Um, if this becomes an issue that can, that continues with him or any other dogs, I actually might just build a uh, dog box in the blind as well, which is probably what I should do. 
so that the dogs have their box that has a door open on the outside or open on the outside where they can see and then have a door on the inside where I can have him come in. I can take the bird from him. If we want to uh, interact with the dog, we can pet him, love on him, give him some treats, give him some fresh water. But it was interesting because on the one day he had absolutely no problems and then on the other day he did have issues and thinking back on it I think it had more to do more to do with the setup on how we had him out there as opposed to how he was doing it was just the excitement of the hunt and the atmosphere that I believe was taking his focus away from the birds actually falling down stay tuned next where I'm going to give you a training tip on how to work on some of this stuff Coming up after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. So we talked about my dog and him having an issue with focus in the last segment. And I thought for our training tip, we would talk about how I'm going to work with my own dog to get him ready for the upcoming hunts uh, once I get him back from the grant. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring a covered and uncovered blind home to my house where eh, this year we don't really have any ducks. Last year we were loaded up so we could hunt ducks right here, but this year I cannot. So we're only going to hunt up at our camp. I am going to take the dog out into our back shallow pond and I am going to run him out of an uncovered blind or just a platform and also out of a covered blind. And I'm going to throw my marks, but with my marks that I'm going to throw, I'm going to use orange bumpers because again, the dogs cannot see orange. They're colorblind. They can see white, which would make the, the, the retrieve easy. I'm going to actually use orange bumpers for him so that I am throwing out at least two, maybe three bumpers at a time and working with him, one, on his lining, but two, on his marking where he can see the splash. This should help him once we get into our later season hunts. I will probably try to hunt him out of a platform next to our blind, and then I'll try to run him out of the blind again. I think when I do run him out of the blind, because he struggled with the level of excitement that was in the blind, and it taking his, I guess, focus or attention away from the water out in front of him, I think I will run a field dog blind in the blind, so that again, he can't see out, he's just focused on what he can see, which is straight ahead. So I hope that helps with some ideas if you have this issue with your dog on this training hunt. Next, we're going to talk about me missing a few shots and what I need to do better when I hit the field on our hunting tip right after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Our last segment today is going to be about hunting. Now, I will tell you that there are times when I am on and I just I just destroy ducks. I don't miss. And I had a few runs of this uh, during our first couple of seasons. I've also had a few times when I was just doing awful. And it was interesting. This last weekend, if a teal flew by, I did not miss. Now, a teal is, I believe, the fastest puddle duck out there. So you would think that these would be the birds that you did miss. These would be the birds you'd struggle with. These would be the birds that you're shooting at three times and going, wow, I didn't even touch that bird. Well, my problem is 
when I'm shooting at a bigger duck or a goose, I figured out that I am not leading the bird. I'm shooting right at it because in my mind, I'm looking going, that's a big bird. I don't have to lead it. And they don't look like they are flying quite as fast as a teal. So when I have birds come in, I absolutely need to focus and I need to still lead the birds, not maybe by as much as a teal, but almost as much because I had a couple of times where I had wood ducks and mallards where I just whiffed and there was no reason that I should have missed that shot. So it is something that as a hunter, we don't like to talk about how we miss. I can tell you that now that we're not filming the TV show, it is more fun. Uh, when we do miss, it's, it's funny. Uh, I actually laugh more and have more fun because it is not where you have to have birds on the water so that you can have a retrieve. You could talk about the hunt. You can talk about what products worked. It's more just hunting, so I'm really enjoying it. But to give you a critique on myself, when it's a big bird, I'm pointing right at it. When it's a little bird, I'm leading it properly. The bird that flies twice as fast, I'm absolutely stoning which doesn't make sense because the birds that I should hit, I'm not hitting. I hope that helps you as you get further into your duck season. I'm hoping it helps me as well. It's been a great season so far. We're really enjoying ourselves. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Take care and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.